rock and roll. The Texans go in front. They put on the helmet and pads. What's up, man? This is your teammate, number 57, Brennan Scarlett. And make the big plays. Down to the 10-yard line. What a play. Now it's time for Texans players to take you inside the game. I put a ton of pressure on myself. I want to be able to go out there and make the plays. And they'll take you outside the white lines, too. They want to listen to, you know, the slow songs, the R&B. And I'm like, you know, we got to go play football. Welcome to the Texans Players Show with your hosts, Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer with you with D.P. Sidhu and Drew Doherty. And tonight, a special guest indeed joining us. It's Charles Amenahu. Charles, good evening. How's it going? Oh, man, it's good. How are y'all? Uh, we're doing very well, and uh, I got to start here. You know, we're going to talk a lot about the team and, and coming back from the bye and everything, but uh, yeah. we were talking off the air right before we went on because, uh, you know, we, we sort of imbibe, Deepy and I anyway, in caffeine late in the day, and, and you, <laughs> don't, you said you don't drink coffee at all. So uh, this, sure. this surprises me a bit. There's good coffee at the stadium too. So tell us about that part of your life. Let's just start right there, Charles. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I- I've never had coffee before. Never like really found the urge or interest to drink it. Uh, people just tell me like, "Wake you up," and I'm like, "Well, once I get up, I'm up." So it's not really anything that's gonna give me an extra boost to be up. Like as soon as I get up, no matter what time of the night it is, what time in the morning it is, I'm up. So you just wake up in the morning like ready to. Go. I find this this con- this concept is foreign to me. So you just wake up in the morning and you're like ready to go on your day, no matter what time you wake up. Yeah, I mean it just. From, like, college and getting up super early, it just – my body just got so used to it. So, like, if if my alarm goes off at 6, it's not going to be, like, snooze and wait 15 more minutes. It's going to be like, all right, I'm up. That's a good thing. Don't let that get away from you. Like, keep that up because uh, it only gets tougher the older you get. So, <laughs> keep it up. Keep it up. All right, Charles, in college, like when you're on a college football team, you play for the Longhorns. Uh, is that early morning stuff, or is that just class you're talking about mostly? Uh, does the stuff begin in the afternoon for the team, or do they require you to do a lot of working out or meeting or whatever early in the morning? How does that work usually in college? No, it's a lot of early morning workouts for sure. Um, uh, we, I mean, in the off season, every morning – like five, five thirty maybe. Ooh. Sometimes earlier. So, and it was like you know in college you you late you definitely gonna be doing some sort of punishment. So mm-hmm. you already thinking about that. And then we had like hydration tests and stuff. So um, you want to be up, you know what I'm saying early enough to get the water in you and to um, to be able to have piss and have a good good hydration test. Yeah, that was a uh, Tom Herman thing because you, you played for both Herman and and Strong, didn't you? You came yeah. in under Strong and and left under Herman, right? Yeah, that was kind of a shock to the system, right? The hydrate because that's it's gone around social media and we've seen the uh, the ugly rainbow of uh, of flavors you got to have. So what's uh, <laughs> what sort of what sort of adjustment was that for you and the rest I mean, of your friends, your teammates? It definitely wasn't adjustment, but when you really think about it, it's actually a good thing for you. Like right. now. It's became it's become habit for me to uh, drink a gallon of water every day to always have water on me. Um, at first, you know, being a, going into my junior year, you'll complain and be like, "Man, why we gotta do this? 
why we got trouble water down like this, this and then the third. But like now I've, when I got older about it and like just thought about it, like, it's actually a good thing, man. Like it keeps your body weight, um, helps prevent cramping and things like that. Pull muscles. Not, it doesn't all the way stop that, but it helps. And um, you just feel refreshed. Well, Drew talked about the shock to the system with certain things, but when you change coaches like you did in college from Charlie Strong to Tom Herman, what was that like undergoing a, a change like that, a different regime in coaching, and now you're about to do the same. I know you have Romeo now as the interim, but you know we'll see what happens with the Texans in the future. You're about to go through it as a pro. So what was that like in college anyway? I mean, in college, my mindset was that, you know, uh, it's a business. Um, especially at, at, at UT, it's definitely a, a win-loss kind of deal there, no in-between. So it is what it is. Um, as far as coming to the next coach, you just got to make an impression that you're going to be one of the best um, 11 on defense and 11 on offense to be able to go out there and, and, and play at the highest level. So that was really my mentality. And um, if that's the same thing that happens here, that's definitely going to be my mentality because, I mean, the stakes are – way higher at this level individually. Charles, you all obviously had the bye week. How did you sort of rest and recuperate now for the second half of the season? I know it's different from years past because you guys couldn't really go anywhere. You have to get COVID tested every day, but were you able to to get some downtime and to rest up? And, and how did you spend those extra days? Yeah, no, I definitely um, just chilled, um, kind of just try to get my body back and stuff like that. But I did a lot of like self introspecting as far as how I've played the first half of the season, what's worked, what didn't work, what I, what I got to continue to build on. Um, just watch myself from really from camp onto green Bay and just seeing like what's been going on. Um, haven't had the season I thought I would have so far, um, especially from how I was in camp. So I was just trying to figure out what could be the reasoning and, um, and then what, when, when I did do well, what, what, what it was and how I was playing. You still have quite a bit of season left, nine more games. That's more than half the season. So you just said you haven't done exactly what you would have liked on a personal level. How optimistic are you that you can get there and do those things during that final nine-game stretch? Um, I'm very optimistic about it. Uh, just from watching myself versus Green Bay, um, seeing that I was doing things that I was doing, um, in camp when I first, when we first all got back and, um, just having a mentality that this is how you got to play. This is how you got to play things at uh, the position that you're at. And this is what's work. This is what works for you. And this is what doesn't work for you and stay consistent at it and be very focused on it. And I think that's what, how, uh, everybody I feel like should, should, what should do, especially in our situation and just figure out what works for you as an individual and then do that on a consistent basis because if all 11 collectively are figuring out what works for them and playing at a high level, then it will translate to the group. Obviously the, the team is not, doesn't have the record that it wants right now sitting at one and six, but when you go back and you do that self scouting and you look at what you were able to do in some of those games, is there a game that really stands out to you that you feel like that's when things were clicking. You'd like to see more aspects of your play in, in that, say that it wasn't a particular week that, that you've played so far? Um, Pittsburgh and Green Bay. I think what did those, you like about – yeah, what did you like about those games? Uh, Pittsburgh game, I mean, I had, got a sack in like the first eight plays or something like that. And I played – my technique in the run game was a lot better. Um, I was firing off the ball like what I should have been doing all year. 
um, playing the three tech. So, and just using my explosiveness to my advantage to jump on blockers quicker and then be able to get extension. And then uh, Green Bay, I did that. And I ended up recording like two or three tackles, um, played with length and then um, got pressure on Rodgers twice. Couldn't, you know what I'm saying, get him down. Uh, he's a good quarterback, but definitely just signs of like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what's going to allow me to finish off these last nine games strong. And, it, you know, when my the way I look at it is almost like I don't have a lot of time left. So it's a press. It's like I got to get this done. But when you all nine games, that's like a whole college season. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when you look at it like that, you're like, okay, you nine games a lot. You can do a lot in nine games. So if you just, like I said, see what's working, um, continue to do that, hone on that, focus on that. And, um, I mean, good things should happen. We saw earlier today the trade deadline came and went, and the Texans didn't really make any huge moves. We saw that move about uh, Elianku going to Dallas for a seventh rounder over the weekend. But on the whole, Texans are rolling with the team they got. And you guys have said it. The coaches have said it. There's a lot of talent there. I just asked you about optimism on a personal level for the rest of the year, but how about as a team? What sort of damage can you guys still do together? I mean, like I said, it's not like we've, all of us said, it's nine games left. So um, we're one and one in the division. Uh, with how this playoff structure goes, um, there's possibly two teams, you know, have a division that can get in there. Uh, um, and I mean, you never know how things could shake out in nine games. Tennessee's two and zero. We're one and one. Um, and we have a division game coming up. So if you take care of – you look at nine game, you, it's a one-game season. Um, you worry about what you can control and take care of that. Then, like it's, like I said, the NFL, you never know what could happen. Y'all are playing the Jaguars this Sunday, and you'll face a rookie quarterback in Jake Luton. It seems like not that long ago that you were a rookie. That was just last year. But already in your second year, do you feel like there's a difference when you play, play these younger quarterbacks versus – the more veteran quarterbacks, do you do you view it any one particular way over another facing a less experienced quarterback, or is it all really the same for you? I mean, I think DBs probably could 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 see that more than me. I feel like the younger quarterbacks, you really got to think about when you're more so when you're rushing them. Like these guys can get out and run, you know what I'm saying? So with an older guy uh, like how we played Ben. Um, or Aaron, like, you know, for the most part, they're going to try and stay in there and deliver the ball through the air. The younger guys could possibly take off and run. So that's, I think that's really the difference. I think DBs could say, yeah, you can disguise them a little bit more, but I ain't disguising nobody. So, you know, um, that's how I kind of see it as far as with a description as far as quarterbacks. Charles who joining us. Charles, what's it going to take to be better against the run? You did better against Green Bay than you did against Tennessee, of course. So, Hopefully that trend continues. you got Robinson to face this week with the Jacksonville Jaguars. As a team, how do you improve against the run? What do you do? Gap discipline and tackling. Um, the run, I mean, there's no, there's no reinventing the run game. And then I felt like everybody runs through the same thing, just different ways to get into it. So um, if you have gap discipline, um, guys that – and then when the ball comes to your gap, you make the play, make the tackle, and – everybody's doing their job, they're doing their 111, um, then, I mean, that's basically how you do it. it Football's simple. It's just, you know, there's sometimes you make it a little difficult and then you start looking, 
all over the place for a complex answer when you just got to get back to doing your job first and helping out second. How weird has it been playing during COVID with all the protocols and everything? I know it's something you got to be used to by now, but you know, as DP said, you know, it's not like you've been in the league five, 10 years. I mean, you just got in last year and now you're in the pandemic mode of NFL football and everybody's going through it. Everybody's in the same boat, but what is it like for you? What are you experiencing? I mean, yeah, like I really kind of gotten used to it. The biggest, probably the biggest difference is honestly there's no fans or a lack of having 50,000, 70,000 people screaming and that kind of like energy it brings you. That's been really the biggest difference, to be honest. Other than that, I mean, uh, you get in the stadium and you strap it up, uh, you're going to have to, you got a job to get done regardless. So that's, other than that, I mean, that's the same. So, other than that, just really not having the fans out there, all of them, um, that's been the biggest difference. And then obviously testing, but we've been testing forever. So, yeah. You know, as a rookie last year, you played in on a playoff team, and, and the playoff game you played at home is it's one of the, the three or four best NRG stadium games of all time. Before that, you were at the University of Texas, so you played in front of big, big crowds. Did you play in front of big crowds in high school? What was that experience like? Because going from – basically like 60 miles per hour to zero or 10 miles per hour, like you kind of had to have done over the last year. That's got to be an adjustment, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, in high school, it's a little less than probably what we see now, as far as what I played in front of. Um, so it kind of reminds me of high school in a way. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of probably what it is, how, how I see it. Is it uh, is there that much of a difference between say ten thousand fans or whatever we're getting in energy now versus you know when you had the Ravens in here you had no fans? It's nice to have something though, right? You do notice that. I mean, how does that affect you guys as players? I mean, it's 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 just cool to have you know some sort of fans. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not that crazy of a difference because you're just so used to having seventy. Yeah. So like, all right, for sure, you know, what I'm saying there's people in here, but. It's like, it's not 70,000 for sure. We, we were asking Drew. Drew's like our Texas expert, how to say your hometown, your high school. Rowlett? Rowlett yeah, Rowlett. Yeah. All right. So how, but, but how many people lived in your town growing up? How many people probably came to your games? Was it a pretty small app? I imagine it to be one of those small Texas high schools, sort of the middle of nowhere. Or no, is, no, no. It's in the, it's in the like, it's in It's DSW. outside of Dallas, right? But it's like yeah, but like it's, yeah. it's in the whole, it's in the core of DFW. Oh, it's a bit. So it's so it was a pretty big yeah. uh, high school that you went to. Yeah. Well, this is just shattering my image of. I wanted you to go to some small Texas high school and be yeah, like, like in a fight somewhere. No, it's nah, like a suburb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's a suburb of Dallas. Sorry, yeah. I didn't point. I didn't give you the whole uh, Dallas Fort Worth. Mark and I were like, Dallas. Where is this place? Like yeah. yeah. big time high school football. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, no, for sure. Um, uh, I mean, I've played – we've got to – we play in the Cotton Bowl, and the Cotton Bowl is almost full. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's kind of that kind of atmosphere. So uh, what were the other options for you besides going to the 40 Acres to play college football? Oh, man. Uh, LSU, um, Oregon when they're really good, Mississippi State when they're number one, uh, Bama, uh, Michigan – uh, Florida, basically wow. all the Big Twelve, um, Florida State, 
USC. Pretty much every big time college football program there is. <laughs> almost, yeah, almost. Uh, probably, all, probably all of them except like Ohio State, um, Clemson, Auburn. Probably, yeah, those schools, Tennessee, Georgia. Did you feel like if you were going to stay in Texas, it was going to be UT? Were there other Texas schools you looked at? Is that why oh, you decided to stay here? Oh no! I, it was if I if I didn't go to Texas, I probably went to LSU or, or Florida. To be honest with y'all, that was probably where I was going to go. Uh, I was a Florida fan back when T Bone them were there. I just I loved loved their energy. I loved the way they play. Like uh, Joe Hayes is crazy because um, I remember I was. I was hanging with Joe before I got into the league when I was out in LA and I was just telling him like, bro, I remember y'all boys, how crazy y'all were and how they would just hit guys and get up and talk so much crap to them. And like, I was like, that's how I want to play. Like, that's where I want to go to school. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to, I want to be around people like that, like on that football field, they don't care about anything. Like that's the kind of environment I, I want to be around um, when I was picking a college team. Just guys who just don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in a good way. Charles, no matter who's joining us. Yeah. So <laughs> when, yeah. when you're at UT and you play Oklahoma, I mean, you look at that Oklahoma roster, it's virtually all Texas. I mean, it's all Texas kids up there at OU. They, they can't populate the team with just kids from Ohio and Oklahoma State as well. So that's got to be bizarre that you see a lot of kids you probably know when you're playing OU at the Cotton Bowl or some of these other out-of-state schools, LSU to a lesser extent because they have more talent in Louisiana than they do in Oklahoma. But why do kids, why do kids even leave Texas? I mean, you know, what, what do you think there, Charles? Like, wh- why does this happen so much? I know Oklahoma's not that far away, but it just sometimes seems strange to me. I mean, I think a part of it is just, uh, I mean, they feel like, I mean, guys, I think guys these days are looking how is the quickest way to get to the NFL? Um, what schools can get me there the fastest? Um, what schools have had track record of guys being drafted in the top three rounds consistently? And, I mean, a lot of it is like Ohio State. If you're an offensive player, you go to Oklahoma, um, Bama, Georgia, those schools. So, uh, quarterbacks, I mean, you go to Oklahoma the last three years – it's almost guaranteed you're going to be drafted in the first three and you're going to be a Heisman candidate. <clears throat> um, and Oklahoma won the Big 12, like, five, uh, five years in a row, something like that. So a lot of it is just that. Like, when you, I think Oklahoma does a good job of, like, uh, putting guys an opportunity, especially offensively, to get that NFL push. Uh, I think Texas, uh, if, I feel like if they push that more, they could possibly do that. But it's a lot. It's it's a lot of competitors out there. Like Ohio State somehow comes in and grabs Texas guys left and right. Um, Georgia, Oklahoma. So it's a lot. It's a lot of competition. You know what I'm saying? So, but I mean, I feel like you know uh, Joseph will help. He'll be in another draft pick, and um, uh, Sam Cosby will be another draft pick for them. Caden. So that'll help show that you come here. It'll be a, you can have an opportunity to go to the NFL and be drafted high. Yeah, Joseph Fosai, he can do some damage. How am I, how much do you still keep up with the program and some of those guys that are still playing there? Uh, Joseph Fosai is like my little brother. So uh, if I'm watching Texas, I'm definitely watching 4-6 because <laughs> we talk all the time. Um, he Whatever questions or anything he needs, 
I help him with. So I'm definitely watching him, uh, proud of him for sure. Did you get to hang around much with him? Was he working out in Austin this offseason as well? I know the pandemic made things complicated in that regard, but was he there? Did you see much of him while you were there? Yeah, yeah. We definitely worked out together for sure. Yeah. Um, definitely hung out with him almost every day. So, like I said, it's like my little bro. All right, so as a Longhorn alum with some pull, because you're a professional athlete, uh, should Texas play the Aggies every year? Can we make this happen? Is is this a big wrong in your mind that it doesn't happen? Because I just think it has to happen. It should be an annual game. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's asinine that they don't play the Aggies. Thank you. Um, I don't understand it. I think that would be one of the biggest games. They could both be Owen, whatever. <laughs> and if they both played each other, Money is the root of everything. If they like money, they would like to play each other. Um, whole, like the home and home thing. Not a neutral site, though, because you need that. Go, you know what I'm saying? Aguilar, they come here to Austin. So um, definitely, definitely. I'm a huge advocate for it. Don't understand why it's not happening. Um, I just feel like A&M might be scared or whatever the case may be. <laughs> I was well, with them when they- I was there. Yeah, they feel like they're in the SEC, so it's, like, too tough or whatever. But, look, you said you were a Florida fan uh, back in the day, and Florida plays Florida State every year. They're both in big conferences, and it happens. So, let's make it happen. A&M can't really ride SEC too long. I mean, the SEC is (laughs) Bama, Georgia, and sometimes LSU and a bunch of other schools, to be very honest with you. Um, I mean, Georgia, Sugar Bowl, my senior year. Um, (laughs) I didn't really feel too much like an SEC school. Charles, I'm who joining us. Well, I, I look at um, I look at Texas, and I, I just I'm I'm not surprised you went there. It's such a phenomenal city. It's such a phenomenal place to be. Um, do you think that the distractions, for lack of a better way of putting it, of being in Austin, are a bit of an issue sometimes? as to why the Longhorns aren't the national championship picture a little bit more, or is it just other stuff? What's your thought? Nah, if you on Saturday, if you worried about the club on Saturday and it's third and fifteen, then you got a problem. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's much of a distraction. Uh, I just I feel like it's just other things that are going on within the program that, you know, what I'm saying I, I ain't got, I have no idea. Um, my senior, my senior year, we had ten wins. We, you know, what I'm saying so, mm-hmm. we didn't have that much problem with whatever the outside stuff of being in Austin. So. Yeah, it wasn't a distraction for Vince Young, Mark. I mean, that was just 15 years ago. Colt McCoy couldn't have been that distracted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Colt McCoy. I mean, I'm just amazed that you you don't always have, like, two or three quarterbacks just good to go because it's Texas. Yeah. And and you can get in every living room in the state. And I don't I mean, know. You can't – you know, you can't – I've always said you can't really hug onto the past too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to really look at the present and find a way – to tap into what Texas used to be, but you can't really hug on that too much anymore. Um, to you know, what I'm saying you win that Big Twelve again, and I was saying that even when we was the wish we did win it when we, when we got there. All right, so Charles Amena, who's going to stay with us, we're going to ask him some questions that are somewhat unrelated to football, more that are related to football, including the Texans taking on the Jaguars to restart the season following the bye. It's all coming up here on Texans Radio. Keep it here for more of the Texans Players Show, right here on Texans Radio. My name is.
was at Finney Smith Gray, owner of the Spot Lounge and Bar. Business was great, and then the pandemic hit. And I was like, oh my goodness. I needed someone who knew what they were doing. I'm Javon Sterling. She was at risk of being left behind. And I offered to assist. Javon was absolutely fantastic. He understood the dynamics of a small business. Thank you, Amogene. Amogene Bank, a division of Zions Bank Corporation N.A., member FDIC, official business bank of the Houston Texans. Baby, I just checked out the new Hyundai Elantra. How was it? I have to say, it was a pretty smooth operator. Are you sure you're talking about a car? (laughs) It's a tech lover's dream. The digital key feature lets you lock and unlock the doors. And get this, with dynamic voice recognition, I can control the temperature, roll down the windows, and change radio stations just by talking. (laughs) I know you like that. (laughs) You too can talk to the all-new Hyundai Elantra. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. For complete details. 03 for complete details. 03. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation helps power cleaner electricity, enables access to food, education, and healthcare, and connects us to those we love. Apache is committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. We're back for more of the Texans Players Show on Texans Radio. It's Texans Radio, the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer, D.P. City, and Drew Doherty with you. Charles Ameta, who is our guest tonight. And let's get to some other questions here, some things that are off the beaten path a little bit. And we open the show with the uh, hard news topic of Charles not drinking coffee. So uh, <laughs> let me start there. Uh, what is what is your guilty pleasure food, Charles? What is your favorite cheat food, something you like to eat that maybe is not exactly on the training table menu that maybe Lad Harris wouldn't approve of? It's just us. He's not listening. What do you think, Charles? What do you got for us? Uh, definitely pizza for sure. 100% pizza. I, before I came here, I used to, bro, at UTI, I'd just get bored and be like, let me go ahead. Pop the, it's so crazy. The Papa John's people knew me. <laughs> as soon as they call you like Charles from uh from the dorm, like yep, and they knew the order and everything. <laughs> Wait, what was your go-to pizza? What was your go-to pizza? Pepperoni and sausage. There you go. Mm-hmm. Is there anything worse than when you go someplace and they've only got like margarita pizza? I mean, that's just punishment. I can't. Yeah, see no, I, I haven't even never day in my life said I need a margarita pizza. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, these are words that have never come out of my mouth. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, it's a good cheat food, no doubt. Who's next? I'll go. All right, Charles, it's election day. So let's say you're running for president. Who out of the locker room would you pick to be your running mate and why? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> so I'll look at it like I'm young in the game. Uh, I'm a young, I'm a, I'm a young Thundercat that's coming in trying to, trying to, trying to win over the country, and then I'll have to think like I need somebody that's experienced, older, know, older, wiser. Uh, I'll probably have to go Whitney Merciless. <laughs> oh yeah, old <laughs> man Whitney. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll have to go Whitney Merciless. Very connected man, wise mm-hmm. man. Definitely, definitely well, would uh, go with him. You also you also have JJ available and and DP didn't we asked Kareem Jackson once uh, 
if you were stranded on a desert island, who would you want to be with? And he said, JJ, because I know they're going to come save him. So I'll just, uh, I'll get like, they, will not, they will not let JJ be lost. They will send out a search party, and therefore I will get saved too. That's right. He did say that. You, you were correct. KJ, right on that part. <laughs> who do you think out of the, you, I mean, you've got so many teammates that are so active in like social justice and getting people out to vote. I mean, do you foresee any of them, like maybe after football, who do you think might have a career in politics? If you had to guess. Oh, Mike T. Oh, yeah. Mike, Mike Michael T. Thomas? Yeah. yeah. That's a great choice. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Have you met anyone more positive than that guy? Anybody more positive than Michael Thomas? Oh, uh, probably my mom. Really? That's great. <laughs> That's great. How so? Explain. What do you mean? Bro, it don't matter what is going on. My mom is going to be like, you'll be okay. Just pray on the leave of the God. <laughs> it don't matter. If the- like my mom. Yeah. Just, just yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> 100%. Okay. Uh, speaking of mothers, speaking of food, what is your, your, your favorite dish of your mother's that you just miss and you wish you could have as much as possible? Uh, definitely my mom's chicken. The way she seasons the chicken, uh, another fun fact about me. <laughs> so maybe middle school, going into middle school, no, no, for sure middle school, I never ate chicken. Like, I would just eat bad junk food, like greens, none of that. I would never, never eat it. So anybody listening, I'm a professional athlete. And I made my – I started from rock bottom. I, I wasn't like this from the start. So you can make a change too. Just put your mind to it. <laughs> but I never – well, I, I just ate bad, like waffles and burgers and just – and then my mom was like, no, you're going to try to – you're going to eat my chicken. And I was like, bad. So I did – I ate it, fell in love with it. There will be times where I eat 10, like, pieces of chicken in a day. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> – and that's what got, I feel like that's what, if I didn't do that, I'd probably have been like five foot tall, 165 pounds. <laughs> wouldn't grow, grow at all. And wouldn't be here talking to y'all today. Your mom needs to market that chicken for people. She needs to bottle that recipe up and sell it. I know it. Okay, next question here. Uh, we just got through with Halloween. Do you have a favorite or most prominent Halloween costume that you wore as a kid? Something you remember that you went out as as a kid that uh, just stands out in your memory? Something you can share with us? Um, <laughs> I think my I honestly think my mo- my most recent costume last year had to be uh, number one on the hit. Uh, I was Hugh Hefner. <laughs> you had the robe? I had the whole thing. Pipe? Everything. The bunny on each arm? <laughs> was there a bunny? <laughs> Family show. Wait, was this, was this Deshaun, was last year Deshaun Watson's Halloween party? Was it that? Or is that what you wore that to? Nah, not to that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was your costume. Yeah, yeah, that was my main event costume. Okay, that is nice. comfy. You're just wearing a robe. Sticking right? with Halloween. <laughs> Sticking with Halloween. What's the best candy to get on Halloween when you go trick or treating? And what's the one you get? And you're like, ah, dang it! A hundred percent Kit Kats, number one on the list. Um, you said the candy I don't want. 
Yeah, yeah. she's like, why are you giving me this? Uh, oh, what's the what's the thing it's called? Uh, they're like in a brown, like a black wrapper with a white look. The ends are white. Tootsie roll. And, Tootsie rolls. Yeah, I hate yeah. those. <laughs> I, hate I haven't those. seen one for a while. Oh, see, they're my around. Got, my kids got bombarded with Tootsie Rolls. Oh, they did? They sell them in those jumbo packs, and it's like, yeah. there's like eight Tootsie Rolls to like two other candies in there. And they then, stick to your good. teeth, and they pull your exactly. fillings out. It's just it's awful. It's like filler candy. It just fills. You guys need to get better dentists if your fillings are coming out. Well, they're not coming out, but it just feels like feels like it's just ripping your teeth out. It's just not a good experience. I'm not a big yeah, Tootsie Roll guy either. Good, good choice there, DP. I got asked this on a podcast a couple weeks ago that I did with um, somebody up in, in Wisconsin. So they said, what is your favorite go-to Texas meal, but since you're native from Texas, I want to ask you the same question. What's your favorite native Texan meal? Your favorite meal? Um, I mean, it gotta be barbecue. If you're in yes. Texas, you ain't got good barbecue. It's you. Are you really in Texas? What are we going? Brisket, okay. ribs. What are we doing here? Which part? Uh, ribs for sure. Yeah, ribs for sure. And the sides. I feel like it's all about the sides with the barbecue. Uh, don't have always gonna have the greens with you, you know what I'm saying? Definitely gonna have a a healthy option to your to to your, to your ribs. Yeah. So green beans with the bacon. <laughs> I don't know if green beans are allowed in Texas barbecue. Are they? Yeah, I mean, they got like bacon fat in them, maybe. All right. Yeah. I guess. What you about KC barbecue? Because. KC, Tennessee, like all these teams that we play, they got their own barbecue. Do you have an appreciation for some of the other barbecues or you're, you're biased? Uh, KC barbecue is actually good when we, when we uh, went up there. I yeah. like the, mm-hmm. the burn ends. The burn ends are good up there. Oh, my gosh. They know what they're doing. Okay. Um, I got to ask you the, uh, the TV question here. What is the show over the last year that maybe you've binge watched – that you can share with us. And I asked this question a lot because I'm looking for ideas. Uh, <laughs> so have you, uh, have you been watching anything over the last year or so that, uh, that's binge-worthy that you really liked? Y'all are going to be disappointed in me. Um, <laughs> I really don't watch TV like that, to be honest. I'm I not really disappointed. I'm, I'm impressed, actually. I, I, I know. I, I feel like yeah. – I feel like the, some of the pros do say this, and, and then I feel bad for how much TV I actually watch. Yeah, he doesn't drink coffee. He doesn't watch TV. <laughs> make us feel like really bad about ourselves. What do you do for watching TV, though? How are you spending your time? Oh, um, honestly, I'm either watching film or playing the game, to be honest with you. Wow. Yeah. I wonder why you're successful. Jeez, that's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> no TV, no coffee. And he's watching film all day, but that's good. That's, I mean, probably what you should be doing. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, let's get to our final segment. Probably have another couple of questions uh, related to this uh, really important stuff and some stuff on the Jaguars this weekend. Texans at noon Sunday at Jacksonville, coming back from the bye. Stick around. It's the Texans Players Show on Texans Radio. It's Players Show on Texans Radio. 
Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation helps power cleaner electricity, enables access to food, education, and healthcare, and connects us to those we love. Apache is committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. Get the inside scoop on the game straight from the players. It's the Texans Players Show. It's the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer with you, D.P. Sidhu, Drew Doherty, Charles Ameta, who is our guest. And, Charles, with the interim coach, Romeo Cornell, in charge, he was the coordinator, then a senior assistant, now the interim coach. You have D-line coach Anthony Weaver, who became the coordinator. Uh, a lot of different shifting of the dynamic over the past year. First of all, tell me about Anthony and uh, the kind of experience getting coached by him on the D-line, and he's also the coordinator. That's interesting. You don't see that necessarily on a lot of teams. It's been a good experience, uh, definitely an experience where, like I said, I've had to learn about myself, um, uh, take out the uh, kind of the boundaries of what I thought I could and couldn't do as far as position flexibility, um, where I could rush, where I'd play the run at, things like that. And just, like, kind of, like, change my perspective on how NFL coaches are. Like, I feel like I could be very honest and upfront with him about anything and talk to him about anything. Uh, kind of talking to guys before I got in the league, I almost felt like it's very, very businesslike. So it's either the coaches wear the highway kind of deal. And um, it's not like that. So, uh Definitely a good experience, and um, just blessed to be here. He's talked a few times this season about how he's had to, you know, get a little bit help of help from other guys on the coaching staff with the defensive line. Who else is is giving input and in your ear and helping you with some of the stuff you guys are doing up front? Akeem Dent, um, he's been a tremendous help. Uh, again, uh, player, former player here, so. Definitely when a former player is just talking to you, I mean, you got to give the utmost respect because he did it. And he did it for, I think, like, what, six years in the league? Mm-hmm. So definitely um, beat the norm times two. And so uh, it's been a tremendous help. You have an interesting um, dynamic with Chris Rumpf, the outside linebackers coach. I know you and I have chatted about it, but I, I think a lot of people don't realize that he actually recruited you to yeah. Texas. He wasn't there when you were there, but – What's it like reuniting with him? Does Have you had that conversation of what you were like when you were just coming into college versus, you know, what growth he's seen from you now? Because I know he's talked about it with the media, how much growth he's seen from you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rump, I mean, Rump made it very easy for me to commit to UT. Um, obviously, I wish that, you know what I'm saying, he coached me at UT, but, uh, you know, saying it's like I said, college football is a business. Anybody said otherwise, they're wrong, but um yeah he saw me when I came in like uh, I wasn't the highest rated guy but um I had flashes and my senior year I dominated in high school so uh, they definitely saw the potential um it took me two two and a half years to really like get it and fully understand like at the college level what works for me how I should play things what I need what kind of player I need to be and uh, my junior year you know what I'm saying? Seeing that success, that flash of life, I continue this, I'll keep going. And then my senior, it just, it blew up. So 
uh, he saw that, and now he's seeing me here. Um, obviously, seen my my rookie year tape, and now my second year is. Uh, sometimes I tell myself, kind of following the same path to college, like trying to fill my way out, see what works for me, uh, have some success here and there, but still, I think everybody's kind of road to greatness is different. So you got to find, especially in the league, what works for you. Um, somebody that's going to believe in that. Somebody, especially uh, having the time to do that, and then it's up to you to like really put it out there on the field. So he's been there for that kind of that journey. Charles, I want to get back to what you said about uh, college sports being a business and, you know, you being part of a, a big-time athletic program like the University of Texas. And it's not just football. It's all the sports. Everybody's working so hard. And everyone always talks about, well, you get the scholarship, and that's nice. It has value. But you do a lot of work for it. It's not just a hobby you guys have. Uh, what do people not understand about what student-athletes go through in order to earn that, in order to maintain their standing, never mind even doing well, you just to survive, you have to do so much to be part of a team, uh, no matter what the team is, and earn that scholarship. I mean, yeah, having to go to school and classes, honestly, what makes it taxing. Um, I tell like, my little bro that come in, like, the NFL, the performance-wise is harder. Like, you're going to go against guys that are way better than what you want in college, but you have so much time on your hand. Like in college right now, I'd probably be doing some homework or something. Mm -hmm. And you got so many number of classes and you can have assignments from all them classes, but then you also know that, shoot, at that five, five o'clock, the alarm going to ring. <laughs> and you might be up to like 11, 12 doing homework. You know what I'm saying? You know, you're going to have a big squat day or something like that. So you're like, like, darn, like, dog, like, I got all this work to do and then I got to get up and, do the do the do the urine test and then lift and then after I lift go to class and sit in these classes while other people don't woke up at like eight you fresh off that five four forty five you know what I'm saying so it's definitely challenging for sure. So with all that you just mentioned that you had to go through as far as time and and the day, how disoriented were you once you got to the NFL and you had all this free time? How nice was that too? Um, it was really nice. Uh, disoriented? No, because I, I just would take that time just to watch film. Like, my senior year, um, I'd be in the facility till like, 9 or 10 watching film. And then I'd be thinking about it. I do have homework to do. So um, I was a person that'd be up late and wake up early. So, um, but now, you know what I'm saying, I got that. So I have all the time in the day to watch as much film as I want to. Wow, it's Charles. more amazing that you didn't drink caffeine considering <laughs> in college. I feel like that's when everybody gets into their caffeine groove in college. Yeah, man. I never, never just never seen a reason to try. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get up <laughs> that long. At first, it's like, I'm not a person that will sleep through alarm. None of that. Like, once I hear it, I'm up. Well, Charles, it, it's so great to have you with us. And, you know, you mentioned that it's, it's kind of strange to not have the 70,000 in the building and everything, but uh, this is a great way for you to to be with the fans in one way or another, being on, on Texans radio with us. So we really appreciate that. What is your message to the fans here as you guys get back from the bye and get into these final nine games? I know it's one week at a time, starting with Jacksonville on Sunday, but what would you like the fans to know and to hear as we embark on the rest of the season? Um, first and foremost, definitely would want to tell the fans of Houston that we appreciate them. Uh, appreciate them sticking by us. Uh, 
through the good and the bad, but the bad won't last for long. So um, we're definitely um, out on the practice field trying to work. Uh, individually, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that guys are trying to figure out a way, like I said earlier, to to be better in their 111th as far as when they're on the field. And um, the future is bright. Uh, the, you know what I'm saying? We got a lot of young players that are good, but, um, you know, we're, we're trying to find, like I said, find our way. So um, definitely stick by us. Uh, we appreciate y'all. And I, I can't wait till we get back to the point where NRG is sold out and we got the rocking fans going. Absolutely. Charles, thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's Charles Amenahu. Great to have him on the Texans player show here tonight. And we have Texans All Access coming up, Texans Replay, all of it. Every night at 6, Texans Radio, you want to stick around every night at 6 on Sports Radio 610 and wherever you're listening to this right now, whether it's an affiliate around the state or wherever. And don't forget, Texans and Jags, Sunday at noon, live from Jacksonville, right here. Thanks a lot for listening, and as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio. The Houston Texans scratch ticket from the Texas Lottery is your ticket for a chance to win up to $100,000. And it's your opportunity to enter promotional drawings for a chance to win an away game trip on a private plane, VIP season tickets, luxury suite tickets to a home game, and more. So get your Houston Texans scratch ticket today. Houston NFL Holdings LP, all rights reserved. For detailed game odds and information, visit txlottery.org or call 800-375-6886. Must be 18 or older to purchase a ticket or enter a promotional second chance drawing. Play responsibly. Saltgrass Steakhouse is the place for a great steak. Why? Because they only serve the best certified Angus beef. A saltgrass steak is unmatched, unrivaled, and unbeatable when it comes to flavor. Each tender steak is seasoned with a perfect blend of seven spices, grilled over an open flame, and topped with seasoned steak butter. Taste the certified Angus beef difference today at Saltgrass Steakhouse. Steakhouse.